Love is the fulfillment of the law. Um, there's a little running inside joke in the friary. Whenever we're having a rough day or things are going a bit squirrely or pear-shaped, uh, one of the brothers will chirp up, the hundredfold, brothers, the hundredfold, you know. Whatever we give up, we're going to get a hundredfold. So we're holding you to it, Lord. Come on, show me the hundredfold. And um, it's true. Love gives back. Um, I, when I was younger, um, I worked for Walter Bailey. He was a, um, a, an elderly gentleman down the road. Him and his wife owned this big property on the river, and they had lots of grass to cut. And so they would employ the young men from the neighborhood to uh, mow their lawn. Now, I wasn't um, particularly uh, interested in spending a lot of time at my job there. So I would race down on my bike. But the money was good. The money was really good. Okay, they had a big property on the river, didn't have any children. And he had a good job, retired now. Uh, and he was happy to pay his employees uh, well and give a tip. So I would race down there, get his old lawnmower out, fill it up, up and down the lawn, around the trees, down the thing. I had this thing down to a science. I could get in and out of there if he let me in under an hour, which is a seriously good wage because didn't, he didn't pay me by the hour. He paid me by the job. Unless he asked me to do the trimming around the gardens, which is a bit more finicky and but anyway, he would, he would supplement the wage based on that too. Um, anyway, but the, th- the thing about Walter is that he always insisted, no matter, in, no matter how much of a rush I was in, he would insist that we have a break. I didn't need a break. I didn't want a break. I just wanted to get the job done, get the money, and get out of there so I could go invest in some worthy cause, (laughs) which I had numerous as a young teenager, right? You know, going out that weekend, I got to save up for my new rims and my bike, you know, whatever it was. And, um, but no, Margaret would come out, his wife, on this beautiful tray, nice can of Coke with some ice, a few biscuits. And not only did I have to sit down and consume the, 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 the fair there, but he also insisted that we have a wee chat. So he'd come and join me. Okay, here we go. 20 minutes later, I'm back on the lawn, trying to make up for lost time. (laughs) But a funny thing happened. I was, um, we were preparing for, in Canada, we have this tradition in our senior year in high school, you could either graduate one year or go on to do your... I, I, I was in England for eight years, so I got all mixed up with how the school system works. But you can, if you're going to university, you come back for another year and you do all your courses that apply for university, right? Okay, side point, not necessary. But the year before my... When I could have graduated, I have this prom. Okay, this big dance for the seniors and you get a date, and you get tuxedos and the whole kit and caboodle and... There we were. So I took my girlfriend and my friend and his date. Um, but somewhere in the planning, I don't even know how it came up, but I told my friend Chris, I said, what do you say we go down to Walter and Margaret Bailey's place before we go to the prom? 
And he's like, who? <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 we're going to go down to Walter and Margaret Bailey's place. And so I still have this picture in my scrapbook at home somewhere where it's him and I and our dates and our best, you know, tuxedos, the whole thing. But we've got these two giant sombreros on our heads that Margaret and Walter had around their mantelpiece in the living room. And we're there taking the picture. <laughs> you know, and then off we went to a disastrous night. Um, as you can imagine, I'll tell you later. Um, the, but, and then I, so I went away to university soon after. And, you know, the job went to someone else. Um, I think it was my younger brother who took it up. And, but I, st I, I would come back and I was like, I'm going to go see Walter and Margaret, you know. And then Walter died, was, was unwell, and I went to see him in the nursing home. And my brother and I went to see him, and I knew it was going to be the last time we'd see him, you know. And he was still his kind, happy self, laying there in the bed. And I said my goodbyes and prayed for him quietly as I left. And... Um, yeah, and uh, I've told this story so many times, and it, teach, it taught me something that, you know, in, when I went to get to the job, I was looking for an employer to pay me, you know. But through his kindness and through his generosity and his, you know, inconvenient insistence, that we actually spend time and chat, I discovered a, uh, a friend, you know, and not just an employee, an, empl uh, an employer. And I got more than whatever it was, 20 quid in my pocket or whatever. And um, yeah, he prays for me now. I please God and I pray for him. And that's a, that's a little bit with, that's how the Lord works with us too, you know. Sometimes when we approach God and we approach our faith, we approach it to try to calculate what we need to do. The rich young man was in that place. He was trying to calculate what he needed to do to get the wage that would get him to where he wanted to be. Right? But Jesus, seeing in his question and through his question to his heart, there's this beautiful line in the text, he looked at the, at the man with love. But the rich young man wasn't ready to receive that, that, that love was the answer to his question. It was too much. Because it put him in a place that he had to be less in control, more vulnerable, risk. Huh? These things that were securing his life, all these possessions that he had, that he was trying to secure his life with, um, these were precious to him and he, he was frightened to let them go. But Jesus, in his goodness, was pressing, you know, and, and, and looking and trying to soften his heart to detach him from those things so that he could discover that, in fact, love was the answer to the question he was asking and the answer he longed to hear. Because if we live our life calculating, we'll never discover the joy and the freedom that this over-the-top love of God brings Jesus is over the top. He doesn't just want us to get us across. He doesn't just want to get us across the finish line, you know, by the skin of our teeth into the last rung of purgatory. You know, I achieved just enough to kind of get in there. Jesus is like, I want to 
I want to make you a saint. And be, making a saint, that even sounds like, okay, what do I got to do again? I got to do a whole bunch. No. He wants to fill you to overflowing with his love. He wants to win you over. Like Father was saying yesterday, he wants to win our hearts with his love so that when we receive that love, there's no question about, Lord, what, of course I'm going to go down and see Walter and Margaret Bailey when I come home from university. Of course it makes sense to take my date and my friend to their place and visit with them. Of course it makes sense that I go in the middle of my plans to visit this elderly sick man in the hospital as he's dying. Because there's something different that's happened to me on the inside. There's a bond there, a debt. But it's not a debt that I feel obliged to pay. It's a debt that I feel unable not to pay. You see the difference? It's like this makes sense. Jesus' over-the-top love enables us to live with an over-the-top love. Where we can let go of the calculating let go of the, you know, how much do I have to do? Can I get away with not doing that? Can I get away with just this much? And there's something in that, you know, but there's more. You know, we can, the Lord meets us there, but there's more. And the more is something worth being open to because it sets us free uh, in a way we never, never thought. And we get a lot. The hundredfold comes to us. The hundredfold of finding a friend, finding more in God than we thought he had on offer. Not just heaven, but himself. Heaven is actually himself, by the way. Jesus is heaven itself. That's why we can live heaven on earth now. That's why we taste heaven now. St. Columba. Got to mention something about St. Columba. Years ago, I was reading this popularized history of um, Ireland, and it, it, it was a good read, but whether it was accurate, you guys have to tell me. <laughs> I think it was written by an Irish-American, or I don't know. It was called How the Irish Saved Civilization. Have you heard of this? Oh, yeah. Is he Irish? Here. Yeah. Sounds like it, right? Anyway... I heard critiques later that it was a bit of a dramatized history of Ireland, and, but I loved it. You know, it's good for, it's a good read. And he described St. Columba as a warrior monk. Wow. Come on. I'm into that. <laughs> right? Yes, that's a saint I can get in, you know, get into. Um, now, we know his story, you can tell me better, but um, conflict of which he thought he was the protagonist and instigator led him to exile uh, and became a missionary in Iona and further afield. And he lived his life with penance um, and in love for the Lord. But I think there's something, you know, if we can talk about St. Columba as a warrior monk, I think we can talk about all the saints as somehow these warrior saints. Why is that? Because in their relationship with God, they discovered something worth fighting for. This is worth it all. And the cost isn't too much. 
And it, but, it, but the cost is real. They were willing to give themselves to a fight. Not just for the sake of a fight. You know, maybe some of you have experience of needing to be repentant of that. <laughs> Let's just get into it. You know, I played ice hockey, so I had plenty of opportunity to have no excuses for a fight and get into it, you know. Except that somehow it made sense with hockey, which is another question. Um, but these, these saints discovered something worth fighting for. Uh, and you know, perhaps this year, I know some of you here at Holy Family Mission are finishing up your time very soon, and the Christ in the City team are also finishing up their year. And I'm sure you've experienced during the year Jesus fighting for you. You know, Jesus is fighting for you. He's been fighting for your heart all year. He's been fighting for a relationship with you, fighting through some of the rubble that maybe you've experienced, you know, that has been an obstacle, a stumbling blocks in your relationship with him and feeling free. And maybe you've felt unable, huh? not up for it, but somehow in the midst of that, the Lord coming through. Maybe you've experienced that where he's been fighting for you. He's been a warrior for you. And as you've let him be a warrior for you, let him fight for your heart, you've discovered ways to fight with him for your heart. You know, because Christianity is not something that happens accidentally, but it's something that happens in relationship. And so most of it's, all of it's on God, but he invites us through him giving himself to us to participate in what he's doing. It's a two-way street. It's a relationship, right? So he's showing us, maybe he's taught you this year, how to fight with him, you know, like, I need to be there at prayer, you know, I need to forgive, I need to kind of work at my relationships, I need to not hold grudges, I need to fight for things that Jesus is asking me to fight for. Um, so, as you've learned these lessons, as all the saints have done before you, um, here at Holy Family or in Christ in the City, you know, you th- it's not just for here, What you've learned here is not just for here, but it's for every day. This is training for life. And it won't look the same when you go back. You can't kind of live it the same way you did here. But the relationship with Jesus and what it takes to kind of invest in that, um, you need to, you know, you've learned and you need to figure out how to get it, tack it down. I could have just taken it for granted that Walter and Margaret were my friends um, but it would have looked different if I didn't come and see them if I didn't, when I came home from university. You know, I had to be there. I had to show up. I had to invest. And it's the same thing with our relationship with God. And you know that it's a battle. The culture is a battleground. It is. Tony Foy was giving his speech to the Netters last week when they were finishing up their year up in, in Donegal. And he told them, the, the whole world is the Father's house, so don't be afraid. But he said, you also need to find a place where you can live your faith in a a place where it can grow. Because there's also the reality in the world where um, there's enemies, in quotation marks, and in fact, uh, that are not too keen on you continuing in your missionary lifestyle, in your relationship with God. but don't, so don't be, but don't be surprised by that. Don't be put off by that. Don't think, oh no, something's going very wrong. It's not going, nothing's going wrong. You know, something's going very right because you're actually a worthy target. 
But don't worry, Jesus is fighting for you. And if you're faithful, if you keep you know, using those things and, and employing those things that Jesus has taught you in your time here uh, and in other places where you've been formed, um, the Lord will fight with you and through you to bring his love into the world so that um, love indeed will continue to overflow in your heart and continue to go out to all the people of Ireland to discover anew that everything, that our, all the questions of our hearts, all the things that we're turning to God for, looking to him for, are responded to and answered in the gift of his love for us, the gift of his sacred heart for us, the gift of himself here in the Eucharist where he pours himself out for us in love. So, guys, let's let love, Jesus himself, win in our hearts again so that um, we can fulfill the law in us, we can be faithful to what God wants, and to discover the more that love gives. Amen.